Over the last six weeks, we have looked at the lives of young carers. We have talked to young people with care responsibilities and we have spoken with the experts who do all they can to make the lives of young carers a little bit better. Along the way, we have found out that often, young people find safety and an escape at school, an institution that has been missed by many due to the pandemic. More often than not, it's one teacher that makes an enormous difference. Society needs to be actively listening and learning to each other within our um, micro as well as our macro you know we can go and sit and watch social media and watch the news about what's happening over there but young carers are in our community right now and it's our awareness as yeah. as members of the community as we go and do our walk each day to just be aware of what's going on in our locality for over 20 years Meg has been a teacher and an advocate for young carers Earlier in the series, we promised we would find out about Meg's new mantra, which she cemented during our interview on a beautiful spring morning in a Hampshire meadow. Produced by the Useful Media Company, with funding from the Audio Content Fund, this is Are You Aware We Care? Episode 6. In the final episode in this series, we'll meet more amazing young people and we'll find out a little more about a weekend that brings young carers from all over the country together. It takes one encounter to open your eyes to something unknown, but who brought the plight of young carers firmly into Meg's life and made them one of the cornerstones of her teaching ethos? She was an incredible young woman and as is the cycle of life, it's really been a blessing because she's got in contact, so we'll get to her story where she's at now, but... You know, she was a dynamic, creative, tired, stressed, exuberant, bubbly, confused, animated, hardworking, desperately needing sleep young person. And you know what? That's all of our young people. They experience that in school because school is an absolute melting pot of everything that society is experiencing. But this young person was simultaneously the most bubbliest, saddest, hardworking, confused, angry happy person that I've ever met. Well, there's a dichotomy, isn't there? <laughs> you know, she really was all of those things in one classroom. Ah, she just made me cry like she used to always make me cry. I did the support. We saw her through secondary school. I saw her through college and supported her because she sought actively sought attention. Stuff happened. World got busy. Then a pandemic happened. happened. And then she made contact with us through safe social media. And she just wanted to say, hey, you let me talk, you listened and you celebrated me. I've done my degree, I'm now a mum. I'm advocating for other young people. So that was just that moment of, was just that moment of a young person reconnecting and saying, you let me talk before, you listened before and you celebrated me. So I'm just going to send you a couple of texts because I want to be celebrated because I've done well. And you know what? She has because she's now an advocate for other young people and she's far more aware than I could ever be because I'm only an outsider doing my best by people because I've listened. So yeah, that was just a lovely, lovely animated moment where a little, you know, a little comet that comes around occasionally and changes your world and changes the sky. But then she comes back and she says, hey, I'm a mum. I'm doing my own caring. I've done my degree. I'm, ah, uh, listen, I'm not going to say her name, but if she hears this, she just needs to know I'm so beyond proud of her and I'm so honoured that she spoke to me and I'm so incredibly honoured to have listened to her and I just want to celebrate all that she has done and all that she continues to do. I like those words. I'm going to go with talk, yeah. listen, celebrate. They're mine. Yeah. I'm having those. They're great. <laughs> and I'm going to do that for 
people that I come in contact with because as we come out of lockdown, I am going to actively encourage others to talk. I'm going to listen to their stories because, my gosh, there's a lot of stories out there. And I'm going to celebrate the superheroes that they all are. Talk, listen, celebrate. Three words and a mantra born in the moment that Meg is now living by every day. In the most basic terms, we ask Meg, who is a young carer? They are young people who are already getting younger brothers and sisters to school, you know, doing the siblings, getting them to school, getting them dressed, getting them fed before themselves, especially those older ones. They're taking care of medication. They're taking care of mental health. My goodness, where is that going to take us after the current pandemic? That's going to be a whole new thing that's opening up. So she was carrying on her shoulders. In fact, all of them carrying on their shoulders what has happened at home and then trying to come into a school environment and suddenly do ionic bonds or suddenly do learning the poetry for English and maths. So that's a lot on those shoulders. Um, Further to that, life skills were so obvious. You know, have those conversations and you'd think, wow, they're old shoulders. And you'd suddenly have an awareness that the young person had an, uh, an awareness of budgeting, had an awareness of food, had an awareness of the medical system, very complicated awareness of medical systems, referrals, social services. And it's the fact that they were those young people who were keeping the family unit and all those agencies together. If any system has gone through a turbulent time over the last year, and if not the last 20 years, it's the education system. And who has been at the brunt of it? Teachers should be pick it up you know teachers the education system they should be the people that pick up the young carers they should pick up the vulnerables they should pick up every child matters but actually I think at this stage it's a point where a bit like we had a moment where we helped the aged because we knew that they would be isolated actually these young people have been experiencing that same type of isolation for years and I don't think we can possibly put it on the education system to pick it up it has to be us as a society. It has to be the folk, if they're lucky enough to go to a, you know, they don't go to many outside groups, but if they go to a, you know, a, a uniform group, brownies, scouts or anything else, it's those people who are just as important. It's the person who is running the local shop who understands, oh, this child is picking up shopping. You know, that's a lot of shopping for a 12-year-old and she's always in there with a, an eight-year-old brother and a son goes, what's going on? So I get with you what you say about ionic bonds. That's a bit of a a trip of mine. I watched a lot of young people during lockdown deal with mental health of their own mental health and parents. And I was trying to teach them something as dry as that. And I'd have to say to you, I can't challenge the education system because I'm a part of it. But I can also say that over the last year, we as a society have done this moment where we've all been isolated and we've all struggled at home. But we need to have an awareness that there are young shoulders out there that are doing it tough. And as an adult, you don't want any child to do that in the same way that we don't want any person of the older generation to be isolated. We don't want anybody of different race, ethnicity to be isolated. I think this is the time, if ever, that society needs to be actively listening and learning to each other within our um, micro as well as our macro. You know, we can go and sit and watch social media and watch the news about what's happening over there. But young carers are in our community right now. And it's our awareness as as members of the community, as we go and do our walk each day, to just be aware of what's going on in our locality. That's just that's just something I'm I'm really really passionate about. Not going and saying, 
it's the teachers that need to pick it up because by God, it's the teachers that have picked up everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've got our first line, our frontline uh, workers with the NHS, but then the next line, next line of frontline workers have actually been your teachers. You know, they've been teaching on Zoom. They've they're not been teaching on Zoom. They've been teaching behind masks. They've been teaching behind visors, and simultaneously, those teachers are also having to pick up the young carers. Well, if you're having to do the syllabus and you're having to do a pandemic and you're having to do, actually, let's slow down and remember their mental health. So although they can become aware of it, and increasingly now that young carers has become a legal component of the education system, of course, the data is collected. But what about those unidentified young carers? They're the ones that I'm particularly interested in. There are many tools teachers and society can use to help identify a young person who might be experiencing some difficulties or a challenging home dynamic. What does Meg see as the most important tools? I think actually the empathy that teachers have and the awareness and also there's that moment where we've lost lots of our social moments so we've lost the contact sport we've lost the extracurricular activities and they used to be the spaces where you could readily identify young carers and it'd be the stories it'd be those moments of actually making eye contact with the young person going I've noticed you've not got your homework done what's going on and then you'd have a you'd either have a very defensive moment or indeed it would be um, if they've already been identified they might be a free school meal children but further to that it's that great thing that everybody who's involved in education of the personal stories and then following through those personal stories and I guess further to that still is increasingly young people are aware within their own social network of what it is to be a young carer and what it is to identify themselves positively as a young carer. That's definitely changed in the last 20 years, hasn't it? Mm. There's a, a space now where young people are aware that they're doing. How have I identified in the past? It's just been those young people who have been positive, enthusiastic, but suddenly have got the weight of the world on their shoulders, have been tumultuous, have been tenacious and then have had moments of being incredibly vulnerable. But then that could be any teenager. So it's taking the time to listen. That's it, taking the time to listen and hear the stories because they come out, but they only come out in piecemeal stories. And it's the same as any vulnerable young person. It's that active listening and sharing of information between whether it be members of a staff group or whether it be agencies, but it's that actively sharing and having the empathy to listen. Young carers are among some of the most unselfish people you could ever meet. They will always put those who they care for first, thinking of their needs before their own, often to their own detriment. It's all too easy to ask after the well-being of their loved one before any thought is given to them. I would agree with that completely, and that's actually become one of my pandemic responses, if you will. How are you doing? I'm fine. Okay, how are you really doing? What's making you smile? And then there's a moment where you get that eye contact and you can physically see the reflection of all the things that they're not telling you. When was the last time you smiled? And you then, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I've, I've done that question on a number of occasions and then suddenly that's been the point that just says, God, I've had a year. Gosh, it's hard. It's a pandemic. Not only am I doing all of this and this, I've been isolated. How do I get food to the family? How do we pay our bills? How do we do that? But by very, very, very calmly making that eye contact, even behind one of those masks, but the eye contact we still have and the moment to actually listen is what we still have to all people, whether they be young carers, whether they be um, people of different ages. It's actually stopping and saying, 
what's made you smile? What are you looking forward to? Because actually by not asking the direct, how are you doing? Fine. Because we all say that, don't we? We're yeah. fine. But it's by listening and saying, so what's making you smile? What are you interested? And I think that's really exciting. Um, just in the last couple of weeks. How are you doing? No, I'm fine. Okay. I know you're fine, but what type of craft have you been doing? Or what type of music you've been listening to? And it's those slightly off-center questions which then enable people to have the space to tell their stories. And I think if you're telling a story and actively listening, that's when you find out so much about people. In a secondary school in the heart of a cancer estate where poverty was rife, Meg was instrumental in setting up one of the first school safe space young carer groups in the country. This pioneering group has provided a place to talk, relax, and for the young people to learn essential life skills. A young woman identified in my tutor group. She had complex emotional needs. She was the effervescent, bright, sleepy, angry, tired young person. Then the identification of a number of other young people. So what we did is we originally started making social spaces for these young people, which was a safe social space to do whatever young people do. But in doing that safe social space, they were then able to share with each other and get support from each other. Further to that, and that was only, we did that for a term. And very quickly, these young people said, well, this is all great, but actually spending an hour together and doing fun stuff isn't enough for me. Okay, so if it's not enough for you, what do you need? And they were very passionately said, I, I'm the main provider of the family food. At the moment, we live off um, frozen meals and X, Y quite keen on having the fun social stuff if you can make that happen but what we would really like is a cooking and life skills club so they went to the school and said you know we've got a group of young people at that stage it was just nine young people but they had identified we want a little bit of socializing but we would like to prioritize the real life stuff as you were speaking before they wanted to have um good healthy cooking on a budget they wanted to learn how to budget they wanted to learn how to make food that they could have for multiple meals so batch cooking and it was so wonderful because that was our in to other members of staff so we set up this cooking club the young people were the, doing the cooking we definitely made sure that we did it as batch cooking they got to eat themselves but they also made sure that they took home two batches and we then did simple things like finding out whether or not um, they had freezing facilities because no use doing batch, batch cooking if you haven't got any way of keeping it. Um, so that became a weekly event. And the feedback from the young people was to learn that you can buy, you know, a potato, you know potatoes, carrots and some frozen veg and some gravy and you can suddenly make a nutritious meal for your family and then that eating together, the talking together, all those mental health moments that you know happen um, by turning off the technology, sitting down and talking with people, all those connections reignited. So we were really lucky with that group. We had an incredibly supportive um, head teacher. I think that increasingly uh, within the education department, it's now a labelled term. This is great success over the last 20 years. Um, so people, if they're identified, young people, if they're identified, you will get that. But as ever, the pressures on schools for league tables, which are based on the grades at the end, quickly squeeze that priority out. So I guess over the last pandemic, things like those after school clubs 
have very much been squeezed out. And if they've not been squeezed out, they've become outside agency. So it's just great. There's beautiful outside agencies that provide after-school care for young people. But it's that significant adult who has the time again to stop and listen. The Children's Commissioner has now made young carers a legal term. So the schools are required to identify them. Now, there's a difference between identifying a young person and identifying a young person's needs. And what might be the needs of one young carer may not be the needs of another young carer. So it comes back to that time and empathy and awareness of the individual. And that's always going to be the story that we tell. We are a part of society and we have collectively gone through social experiences, but our young people are still going to come through and they're going to feel that they are the only young carers until they get into a situation where they're identifying with other young people who have caring responsibilities. So I think what other schools could do, it's every, every practitioner, I'm going to come back to every practitioner, whether they be teacher, learning support assistant, head teacher, dinner lady, is just to make that eye contact, that eye contact and that caring. And you know, none of us can care about an entire school population or an entire, but we can mentor and be aware. I think some schools are doing really great jobs actually identifying. So this has happened in a number of places I've worked, is staff are asked to identify students that they would like to mentor so by that you don't have to do just the child who's the troubled child or the identified child if you know that child is really good at badminton and that's your passion or is really good at piano and that's your passion is creating opportunities for people just to make those connections and I think probably education society surely that's what we all want is those moments of connections which are repeated over a period of time and I can't say it enough. It's that human connection again. It's that eye contact. It's how you're doing. How's your year been? Wow, how's your pandemic been? Actually, how are you? What's made you happy? It comes back to those human connections. And I think anybody involved in education is probably doing that already whilst simultaneously grabbing hold of countless imposed, you must teach them this syllabus because this is going towards the exam. And I think further to this, what would be very interested to me is our young people who have still sought education so I'm only in the secondary sector and we know that there's a lot of young people who are in the primary sector but surely those young people who have gone on to the further education whether it be isolation in university or isolation in their apprenticeships and how are they managing to get support because we know that this pandemic has reduced so much support for so many groups We just need to make sure that we offer support in the best way that we can. The Young Carers Festival has and always will be led by the ideas, dreams and aspirations of young carers. It will be a place for young people with a care responsibility to grow, to learn about others in similar situations and to influence change. We focus on this event because it is the galvanising moment in every year for the most wonderful, courageous and inspirational people on the planet. What a joy it is to watch those young people who've gone from little tiny young carers who wouldn't change anything 
but they want to have it acknowledged what they're doing all the way and they've become those teenagers they've come to their university students and how joyous was it you know the last young carers festival we had the announcement of the first young carers wedding is going to take you know there's there's a couple that have known each other and met each other and they've gone through the stage of they've done university and they're going to get married and they're going to continue to be the activists for other people and that's what we have to do in society surely is be the activists for those who don't have a voice going to the young carers festival for the first time and seeing like 1500 other young people who did the same sort of things i did and realizing okay they literally come from like all across the country and then watch them all be kids and like i remember the first time i went it was like the opening ceremony and there were things like boom whackers and there was dances and it was just so much fun and thinking, oh, okay, no, this is great. Like, I can't believe this is actually happening that I'm here because I'd never experienced anything like that before. Never saw like other people, other people like me who had been through what I'd been through and then just still having fun. It's a weekend away. So you're sleeping in a tent, which, you know, a lot of young young carers don't get the chance to do that. They've never been camping in their life. The young carers projects that come from like inner cities and stuff like that, where they don't really see grass. Grass isn't a thing. All sorts of kind of events that go on in terms of allowing young people to voice um, what they want via the voice zone. There's kind of outdoor activities because it's an outdoor adventure centre. The lake water is absolutely disgusting and you have to have a shower straight after it because it's gross. But like, you know, you get to see all sorts of people who've never kind of been on a paddleboard ever been kayaking before try it for the first time and you know they're forgetting about everything that's going on at home and they're just having fun and kind of you know you've obviously got the fairground rides like every young person always has like you know the adrenaline rush of wanting to go on like a certain roller coaster or a fairground ride and you know i've gone from a young person that didn't really want to be there to a young person that really didn't want to leave it changes it changes something about you it shows you that actually you are a young person you're entitled to have fun you're entitled to enjoy yourself and it provides the environment for that to be possible without any guilt. It leads to you wanting to go time and time and time again. It's an experience unlike any other. And it is an experience that I would wholeheartedly recommend. The people I've met at the Young Carers Festival over, over the years that, that I attended as, as a young carer, every single one of them was awe-inspiring in their own way. Jenny Frank and Pete Cooper did the first gathering of young carers and it was a group of 12. Okay. It was a group of 12 kids who came together and just had social time, told their stories, a bit of food, a little bit of human connection and eye contact. They then came out with the concept of, yeah, let's see if we can get some others. And it was those 600 young people that came on that field. And there's the beauty of that coming together. It is which of course none of us have had over the last year, have we? The coming together of other people, other like-minded people. And you've seen that on music festival sites where this is my tribe, these are my people because we share the music, we share the, 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 the dodgy toilets, we share the campsite. There's a couple of moments which are really pivotal to me. And the pivotal moments to me are when the sugar rush is done, they've done their first night of not sleeping out because actually they only do two nights and then there's this really calm moment where they just sit and tell stories and it's once again those human connection moments lucky enough that our, my sister-in-law came to volunteer and I'm going to give you her story 
She was animated about the Young Carers Festivals and the tents and the colour and the fireworks and the music and the drama. And she'd made a connection with a young uh, carer, young man. And he was her favourite, you know, he was, you know. And he came along and he told her about, he just bought his bottle of pop and he bought his Coke and it was great. And then she tells a story how later on he just came down and sat beside her. And she went, oh, you know, how how is your weekend going? How is it? And of course he did, it was epic and it was wonderful. And she said to him, and this is the Young Carers Festival, so she, as a volunteer, said, what's your favourite bit? And he said, I got to sleep in until seven o'clock. So there he is in a tent, on the floor, in a ground sheet, and his best part you know, with everything, there was anything that any child could ever want, the canoeing, the climbing, the paint, the goo, the, and he quietly and confidently, without attention, just said, oh, so great, I got to sleep in until seven o'clock. Talking about the festival, it just brings back so much happiness, like, I look back and I think how happy I was at the festival, because the festival is that just place where it, you can be happy, like there's, there's nothing, um, you're not having to worry about anything. So those young people, when they get up and they have to look after family members and they do their washing, are no different to the other members of society who are doing the same thing. It's just that they're really little tiny young shoulders and we've got this concept that children shouldn't do that and they wouldn't change it because they are strong, they're dynamic, they're creative, they're tired, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're excited like we all are as humans. Going forward, I think we need to become a caring society rather than just our young carers. Because this isolation is the same stories that anybody who's got, you know, elderly parents, anybody who's, it's that isolation in your caring and you wouldn't stop caring because that's what makes us human. And it's just the very fact that these young souls are doing it at such an exceptional young age that we need to find a way which supports them supports them in the way that they want. I feel like really different compared to most of my friends. They all talk different, they all act different, but like here because everyone has less of social life to themselves because they have to constantly look after their siblings, I can communicate better with these people here because they actually know what I go through. And it's just how I get on with things. Lots of people from around the world who just admire what happens here. I care for my mum and I care for my dad. knowing that there's other people and it's not just me. I'll be home soon, so please don't miss me. I know you're upset when I left. The Care Act in 2014 and the Child and Families Act of 2014 became law on the 1st of April this year. This festival was responsible for that. really brings home how many young carers there are. I didn't have to worry about how much I had to do at home, so I kind of got a bit of time away. It's not easy. Most people just don't understand what you do. 
I've made amazing friends. They all know what you're going through, whether it's the same or not. They all understand, so they you can always talk to them. We believe in young people. We believe in empowering young people. And uh, what better way to do that than bring 1,300 fantastic young people together for one weekend? Helps us take our mind off things. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I have a serious amount of respect for what you guys do. It was really fun. It was a cool experience. Just amazing. Meeting new people. Um, camping. I like camping. It's cool. Sometimes like people say, oh, well, it's your brother or it's your sister, but like, it's like a gift because they obviously God or whoever's made us have trusted us with this person to look after them, love them, give them peace, serenity or everything that they've, they need in life. It's like a privilege to look after them. We've gathered so much material, we haven't had the time to use it all in the series, but we'd love you to hear it. Visit the website areyourawarewecare.co.uk over the coming weeks as we add exclusive bonus content, podcasts and extended interviews with the brilliant people who made it possible. Thank you to Olivia and Matilda, Melissa, Charlie, Alicia, Meg, Ben, Helen, Jenny, Peter, HM and SR along with all of the young people's voices heard in the festival song snippets. If you would like to know more about young carers or need help, visit youngcarer.com.